Rob Breckenridge in for Shaganum uh, across uh, Alberta on a Friday morning. A lot more still to get to. We'll get back to more of your phone calls as well. Uh, immigration seems to have uh, suddenly become a hot-button issue in a country where it never really has been. And not that people are opposed necessarily now to immigration per se, or more against immigration than they once were. The concept of it, that is. Uh, I think there's some frustration in how all of this is being managed. Canada's population is growing quite rapidly. And yeah, we're going to need to grow our population. We're going to need younger workers to support an aging workforce. Uh, But are these numbers manageable? And maybe they could be if more was being done to make sure that we were doing so. Probably the biggest reason why immigration has become such a flashpoint is housing. We're not building enough housing to keep up with our growing population, uh, and supply and demand is out of whack. So there's not enough homes, there's too much demand, prices are going up. And it's become a bit of a crisis. So it's impossible, I think, at this point to really separate those two issues. And if people are frustrated about one, they're going to be frustrated about the other. And governments need to pay attention to this. I think there's some longer-term consequences in allowing immigration to become this, this kind of a controversial issue or allowing opposition to grow to immigration. So we had a bit of a tipping point here. It's a really fascinating piece that's up at the line. Readtheline.ca is the website. Uh, From Jen Gerson, the headline, The Immigration Consensus is Collapsing. Uh, Jen Gerson, a freelance writer, co-founder at The Line. Again, readtheline.ca joins us on the line here this morning. Jen, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Is it fair to say that that something has changed in terms of how we view immigration, the the level of controversy that goes along with this this issue that maybe hasn't been there for quite some time? I think that if you look at the polling numbers, that it would be hard not to come to that conclusion. Um, You know, I've now gone through, I think, three different polling agencies who are just really starting to look at this issue. I mean, it was so much not an issue that, frankly, there isn't a lot of consistent polling over years because the immigration consensus was so... You know, undisputed for so so much so long that it's not something that a lot of people would waste money polling on. That started to shift in about at the fall of last year, and a, a lot of different polling agencies started to look into this, and they started to find. I think, for example, Ipsos found that uh, like seventy three percent of the people polled suggested that we needed to reduce or, or or significantly curtail our immigration until our housing situation came into better alignment with how many people we were taking in. I mean, and something like sixty eight percent thought that we needed to be cutting international student visas for the same reason. So this wasn't a cultural issue. This wasn't racism that was just that was motivating this. It was this was a pretty strict economic and and uh, housing supply question. And that suggests that you know to have 70 70 plus percent of anybody of any group of people generally agree on a on a, on a position like that. Um, that suggests a consensus is forming around this, that our, our immigration quotas right now are just not sustainable. Um, and that's a really radical shift from even a few years ago, I think. I mean, I th- right. think in my adult lifetime, this has been a settled issue. It's always been more immigrants, better, better for the economy, uh, birth rates falling, need more immigrants to, to supplement that, boomers are going to die, we need more immigrants to supplement that. There was almost an unquestioned um, aspect about that. And... Uh, 
to what extent this is worthwhile for me to note, you know, I'm pretty pro-immigration for a lot of different macroeconomic reasons that I'm happy to get into. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we, it's neither it's not fair to the immigrants themselves to ask them to spend significant amounts of money to come into a country where they're not going to be able to have a good quality of life because they can't afford housing, because their credentials aren't going to be recognized, because we don't have the supports in place to ensure that they can integrate reasonably with the, with, with, with the society that they're coming to. That's, that's, that then turns immigration into a very exploitative system, um, and one that I think that is, is quite, quite questionably un-Canadian in terms of its value set. Yeah, I, I think I would probably largely share your view around immigration, and, and I suspect many Canadians do. I, I do wonder, and we can talk a bit about the you know the Conservatives, and that's part of the focus in, in your piece, but as far as this government now, do you, do you think that this has not been well thought out? Are they, they somewhat oblivious to these issues? Do they back themselves into a corner? I mean, what, what's your assessment? Um, I think that we're a bit trapped in the sense that we've created a system for ourselves where you know, Canada, for a lot of different reasons, has fallen into a state of sclerosis. It's It seems to be unable to build big things, move quickly, or fix its problems in any reasonable amount of time. Um, and there are a lot of complicated reasons why that's been allowed to happen, but I think it's become very pronounced and very obvious over the last 10 years or so. Uh, and... I think that, you know, you have a federal government that recognizes that a lot of the solutions to those problems is more people. You know, we need, our healthcare system is collapsing. Well, we need more nurses and doctors. You know, we need to build more houses. Well, we need more people who are carpenters and can build. And the existing population in Canada isn't really fit for purpose. It's aging. Um, it's not trained to those specific skill sets. And so the obvious answer is just bring more people, bring more people, bring more people, bring more people. Um, the downside of all of that is that, you know, you're bringing more people into a system to fix a capacity problem that bringing more people will only exacerbate, right? That's, that's part of the problem. So we're kind of stuck in this pickle. Um, also, I think that if you look at a lot of our top-line economic indicators, like GDP, for example, they look healthy because we're bringing in more people and we're showing this, like, second, you know, developing world population growth, right? And when you can show, you know, I think our population, our real population last year grew by 1.2 million in a country of 40 million. That's an incredible population growth, and it and it bolsters a lot of our economic figures, and it makes our, our, our economic situation look a lot stronger than it actually is because it's built on and dependent on bringing more people in. Right? So there's that. Um, but, but, yeah, I think they're kind of trapped in a bit of an economic – I mean, I think that the National Bank of Canada's like, economists called it a population trap, which is, you know, we need more people to resolve the problems that bringing more people could then create. All right. right. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a paradox, but I think it, it captures the situation well. Now, maybe the cynical political view is that, you know, the liberals are trying to – back the conservatives into a corner to try to force the conservatives into coming out as being against immigration and then that becomes the big wedge issue in the next election we're pro-immigration the conservatives uh, are, are against it do you, do you think any of that's at play here i think probably that that's a factor but if that's the wedge they're going to play i don't think it's going to play well for them because the consensus that is growing among even among liberals, by the way, even a majority of liberals is that our current quotas are too high and that we're taking on more than we can actually manage. So even among people who are 
highly supportive of immigration and believe that immigration is good for the country, you find polling showing that they're skeptical that, you know, 500,000 per year is, is, is a sustainable target. And I'd also point out that, like, when I, when people point out there are, are immigration skeptics, oftentimes they're not saying no immigration. They're just saying, can we please bring back immigration to the levels they were in 2015? Right. Our quotas have gone up and they've gone up very dramatically. 500,000 a year is high. That's incredibly high. Um, you know, more typical, I think when the liberals came to power, I think between 150 and 250,000 was a much more typical number and a much more, I think, sustainable number. Um, now, maybe we need more for other macroeconomic reasons, but it's it's not a question of, yes, immigration, no immigration. It's a question of how much immigration can the country continue to sustain. And I think if we should max out that number as much as possible. But we have to recognize right. that there is a carrying capacity limit here. It's interesting. I mean, it's part of Jason Kenney's legacy within the federal conservatives, right? The idea that uh, newcomers to Canada are not inherently going to be political opponents, that the conservatives can resonate in many of these communities. Uh, Jason Kenney led those those outreach efforts during the, the years uh, of, of Stephen Harper. And, and the conservatives were, were generally pro-immigration. I think Pierre Polyev comes from that, understands that. But what's now the dilemma for him and, and his party here? Look, here's the risk. The risk, I think, is that if you have a conservative party that comes out and says immigration levels are too high, we need to ratchet it back for all kinds of fairly rational and and economic reasons, he's going to get it from two sides. He's going to get it from the liberals and kind of the left who are going to use that as an opportunity to cast him as racist and xenophobic. And then he's going to deal with an element within his party that is racist and xenophobic. You know, there is an element within, I would say, sort of broadly speaking, not ideological, but tribal conservatism that um, uh, is, has deep skepticism about people coming from other countries and the degree to which they can adapt and integrate into Can- what's quote-unquote Canadian culture. Uh, there is a, uh, 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 you know, the particular conspiracy theory, the Great Replacement conspiracy theory, which is this idea that the elites are trying to bring in um, immigrants to replace the native white population. You know, I say that very ironically, of course. Um, you know, if, in order to uh, further their own electoral benefit, that is that is a conspiracy theory, which, by the way, is insane. Um, but it's it's believed by. A surprisingly large number of people in a lot of different Western countries. So there's going to be that element within his party that is attracted to that those types of conspiracies and that kind of white grievance thinking. Um, and how is he going to deal with that? He can't play to it because, of course, that's that's dangerous and 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 absolutely going to lead the conservatives to a dark place, if not the country to a dark place. But, you know, I do think that you have to be able to have a rational conversation about immigration quotas um, that doesn't pander to nativist instincts. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes, particularly when you as a leader, you know, you've got a base to manage. But is there a conversation, a rational conversation to be had about not even necessarily culture, but maybe what Canada is, right? I mean, it's possible. I think there was some, some numbers from the Association of Canadian Studies looking at this, you know, that we could see our population double over the next couple of decades. And that, that's going to, you know, really change the demographics of, of this country. So is there a conversation to be had there? There's going to have to be a conversation to be had there, right? Um, 
and it needs to be done in a way that's that's as I said I think that not only the challenge for for Pierre and for the conservatives is not only to have a rational conversation about what our immigration quotas can and ought to be and why they have to be where where they are but also and I think that you see Polly of get this it has to be rooted in a real deep sense of Canada what it is what its values are and what we're trying to build together right mm-hmm. um, because I think that that's the only way that you can create a, a country that is truly multicultural you have to have everybody on board regardless of their religious or ethnic heritage saying we're signing on to a kind of national project because we think that the national project is a worthy and good thing to do right and that doesn't mean you know ignoring the evils of the past or failing to reckon with the evils of the past but it does mean that there needs to be a, a very broad consensus among people who have been here for four generations and people who have been here for four years, that Canada is something that is a good and worthwhile thing to belong to, and that we're all in it together to build a national, a, a, a nation for the benefit of all, right? And and I think that everybody has to be on board with that sort of fundamental idea before you have a, a, a multicultural nation work, because let's remember, historically speaking, you know, uh, post-enlightenment multicultural nations are not the historic norm. The historic norms are nations that are built on ethnic and religious identity, right? That that's that's the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Canada is supremely is a supreme outlier. So is America in this regard. Um, our our instincts are to go back to this horrible tribal sense of identity that's incompatible with what we what we are trying to build as a postmodern nation, right? And so if you don't have a, 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 an overarching narrative, a sense that, that, you know, Canada is a thing, we have a shared story, a shared history, and a shared project, you know, what are you left with? Well, you're left with those kinds of uh, any ancient uh, ethnic and religious grievances. And, and I think that that puts a country like Canada in a really dangerous position. Yeah, it certainly could. Uh, your piece is mentioned. It's up at readtheline.ca. An interesting deep dive on in all of this. Jen, always appreciate it. Thanks for making some time for us here. Thanks for having me.